Hey guys, on this episode of I Had to Say It, we're going to talk about something that the people who know me before all this got started may have kind of been wondering why it's taken so long for me to get to it. And for the dozen or so people that have been listening since the start, uh, here it comes. This is going to be the first of what is definitely going to be a regular topic or feature, however you want to look at it, if this thing keeps rolling. Uh, honestly, will probably be the one that initially, at least, I have the most guests on, too. We're going to talk about cooking. Go figure. It's one of those things people that know me know I know a thing or two about it. And Honestly, a lot of my friends are industry people, and they have their own knowledge, and I'm going to do what I can to get them to come along and share what they know and we're going to talk about all kinds of things techniques and different recipes and I'm actually looking into uh, some options for video equipment so we can maybe record some demonstrations and some little instructional videos on how to do things but for today this one's going to be more of a kind of a an overview of cooking as a thing it's it's something that I mean we all got to eat there's no I don't care what your personal <laughs> philosophy or your thing your stances on anything are really you got to do it we all got to do it that's part of life and uh, since it is something we've all got to do there's we've all got to eat we should all be able to feed ourselves and honestly cooking is cooking is a weird thing it's in one hand, they, I mean, they call it culinary art for a reason. It, it is an art, but there, it's also, they have food science, too. That is, a, that is a real thing. It exists. You can go to school for it. Cooking and baking and pastries and desserts, and it, it kind of blends everything together. And cooking is actually, as far as art goes, it, it's like everything else. It's subjective. It's what do you like, what feels right to you. But ultimately... Cooking is something that can be taught. It can be, I mean, there's always going to be somebody, there are people that are naturals at it. There are people that have that really well-refined, well-developed palate that they can taste little variances and differences, and they have exceptional senses of smell, so they can identify things based on catching a whiff of something while it's cooking or being able to smell ingredients just from a couple breaths of something as it's presented to them, and they can pick out identifying keys and traits. And some of that stuff's genetic. Some people taste things more deeply than others. Some people smell things differently. But the fundamentals, the basics, is with a little time and a little investment, anyone can be taught to be functional at making food. I mean, you may not be great at it. You may not want to invest the time to become really well-versed and really an exceptional doer of this thing. But the option is there. The techniques can be taught. The The science behind it is pretty well known at this point and different ways to do things. And it's still a growing and evolving field. They're still coming out with new techniques and new ways of doing things. And some of those ways are fantastic and amazing and make life better. And some of them were flash fads. And honestly, some of them I'm glad to see falling out of common acceptance and people going, molecular gastronomy, the fusion of science and cooking. It requires a lot of specialized equipment. It's a really involved process, but molecular gastronomy is really cool. I mean, but on the other hand, it got to the point where everybody in the industry was so sick of seeing foams and and weird jellies and all this other stuff. And everything doesn't have to be deconstructed. That was a, that was a fad for a while where there were we're making a deconstructed burger, and they would bring you a plate with a bed of lettuce and a hamburger patty and a toasted bun, 
and onions and tomatoes and lettuce all shredded and laid out neatly. And it was a hamburger that was you basically had to build yourself at the table. And that happens. Things change, things grow, things evolve. It's it's not a bad thing. But, again, like I said, realistically, anyone can at least learn to be functional at it. You may not be great, you may not make gourmet entrees and amazing meals, but you can you can learn to do things where they're at least passable and they can get you through and make you where you're dining. If you dine at home, it's not going to be a miserable experience where you're and in the long run you can save yourself a lot of money just by making something yourself. Spending five dollars on a whole chicken or going out to dinner and spending fourteen on a quarter of a chicken. And people say, yeah, you get sides and everything else, but all that sides, as a general rule, are not real expensive. When it comes to a standpoint of budgeting and things like that, if you're getting some steamed vegetables and you look at it and you get four broccoli florets, four fresh spears of broccoli, something like that, it's not a huge investment on the restaurant side of things. You might as well, if you're, especially if you're trying to save money, you still want to be able to enjoy your meals. And with a little time invested and a little effort invested you can have a much more enjoyable home experience and yeah it sucks you got to clean up your own dishes and all this other stuff but it's 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 functionally with a little practice you get better at it you start to enjoy it a little bit then then it becomes less of a chore becomes less of a hassle and the more you start to enjoy it the more you get into it the better you get it's kind of a cycle and i'm not saying anybody needs to get good at the level where you're going to be putting out professional meals but it, it does kind of feel good if you got a dish or two you can make and people are constantly telling you, oh, that's amazing, how'd you make that? I, that's great, I love it when you make this. It's a nice little ego stroke. And so I guess that's, realistically, that's what we're kind of going for. And, and like I said, this episode's not going to be any real in-depth, detailed things, but down the line we will have, I'll be giving out some recipes and explaining some techniques. And like I said, I'm looking into... Get, obtaining some video equipment so or something so people can go and see exactly what I'm talking about. I just have to get the logistics of having a workable kitchen to record in because honestly mine is not set up for it and it will not work. <laughs> so until I can figure out somewhere to record and some way to get things set up, uh, this is going to be purely <laughs> purely oral for the moment. Okay, so with all that being said, let's uh, get started on this. To be a functional decent cook you don't not be amazing just to get the things out and have them be palatable and good you're going to want to keep a few things in mind it's important to learn the proper amount of time to cook things that's one of the biggest problems i've found with a lot of non-professional people is they have no idea the amount of time it's going to take to do things and every piece of equipment is going to be different i don't care how well known and successful somebody is how much of a chef they are how, how much kitchen experience they have when you walk into a new place, the first thing they're going to do is kind of look at the equipment and play with it a little bit so they can get a feel for it. Because I've been doing this for 25 years, and I've never met two stoves that cook exactly the same. I've never seen two grills that cook exactly the same. Equ pieces of equipment like flat tops and char grillers and gas grills and charcoal grills and smokers, they all have different hot spots, and the air does not flow the same in every kitchen, so things will handle differently. They will operate differently. You can get different results by moving a piece of equipment on a counter, by moving it from one end of the kitchen to the other just based on airflow, depending on the size of the kitchen you're working in. So there's a lot of considerations. 
the important thing to do is familiarize yourself with what you're working with. If it's your home and you're doing this for yourself, you should be pretty familiar with it. Get yourself some nice pans. Get a decent set of knives. These are things that you don't have... You could spend so much money on this equipment, on pans and knives and professional-grade hardware and food processors and accessories and different machinery and all kinds of cool, nifty toys that exist for making food. But until you're proficient in doing things, you're really better off learning the old-fashioned way to do things. The old-fashioned way is almost always slower. It's almost always more work involved than using some of the nifty gadgets. But it will give you a understanding of the processes that you need to functionally do these things without a lot of, a lot of these shortcut devices they're great and as long as you follow their instructions exactly and you do exactly what they say you can't get nearly as creative with them if you don't understand the principles behind what you're doing so that's kind of why I would shy away from gadgetry at first if you really want to get into doing some cool culinary stuff Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That being said, you also need to make sure you have a, a rough understanding of what you need for the basics. Things that people don't always think about when it comes to home cooking. You need a good, either bimetallic, which is a, a, a term for a kind of thermometer, or you need a digital thermometer. Ideally, they're not expensive. You can get a, a decent stemmed bimetallic thermometer that is adjustable, and take a couple minutes, it usually says it on the package now, learn how to calibrate your equipment so the temperatures are accurate. It may sound like a little minor thing, but if you want to start getting into doing things to a proper doneness without overcooking, without undercooking, where the food is the way you get it in the restaurant, you're going to need to learn how to properly temp your foods. Part of it's a safety issue. Bacteria and things that could be harmful or dangerous to you and the people that are eating your food are, you know, they grow best in certain temperatures. They are killed at certain temperatures. The general rule of thumb, if just if I'll throw it out there if anybody's interested in knowing it, to reheat food, to cook food to a temperature where you are going to kill everything in it and it's going to or at least enough of in it where you're most likely going to be safe. It can't you can't do anything for like spoilage or rotting. That's you can't fix that with cooking. If it's rotten, it's rotten. But the number, the magic number, 165 degrees Fahrenheit. That is the temperature you have to cook things to. And there are, you know, varying variances and other rules, too. When you come to doing roast beef and things like that, there are other numbers. And they are out there. And you can learn them. You can, fish does not have to be cooked to the same temperature as beef or pork or chicken. Pork and beef don't have to be cooked to the same temperature as chicken. Chicken... Across the board, 165 degrees. I don't care how you're looking at it. You can't medium rare a chicken. You're going to get sick. And realistically, it's, the texture is gross. The consistency of raw chicken or undercooked chicken is disgusting. You, you want to cook a chicken all the way through. 
When you're temping a piece of meat, you temp it in the thickest part of the meat. On your thermometer, the, the, the sticky part, the part that you stick into it, is called a probe. Somewhere on the probe, there's going to be a little divot, an indentation. That's where the point of measurement is, is for your thermometer. That's the part you need to get to the thickest part of the meat so you can accurately and safely temp the food. And we'll, later on, when we're discussing beef and things like that and pork and when I start talking about actual recipes, I'll tell you temperatures that things need to be prepared to to be safe. But like I said, for now, in the back of your mind, if you want to go out and get a thermometer and temp your food, 165. And you can get a nice digital thermometer, like a professional-grade one, for about $14. It's not the end of the world to buy something like this. It'll make your food better. It'll make the quality better. It's it's an overall, it's a good investment. Uh, beyond that... You want to get... I'm a big fan. Uh, my wife would probably tell you I'm a little overbearing on some of this stuff, but I happen to be a big fan of uh, coffee mills, coffee grinders, spice mills. They can be called either or. It's, it is a coffee grinder. It's what that, That's how they're generally sold in the store. If you buy bulk spices, whole spices, whole seeds, whole mustard grain, things like that, there are a lot of spices where you don't have to buy the powder. You'll get a fresher, more flavorful product if you grind it fresh before you use it. You can get a coffee grinder for five, six bucks if you, if you look around. You can, I, I've bought more than I can count at garage sales because people bought them thinking they were going to you know, grind all this coffee and have fresh ground coffee, coffee every morning. Realized it's kind of a pain in the butt if you don't plan ahead and do it either the night before or nobody wants to be walking around bleary-eyed looking to grind fresh coffee in the morning and they just want their coffee to get and go. That's why the K-Cups are so popular these days. But I digress. So you get these spice mills, and you buy whole bulk spices. You save a lot of money by buying in bulk. They last longer, and you get a fresher, better, more vibrant taste out of them by measuring out your spices, grinding them to, to, before you use them, and put using them then. Uh, also, another thing you're going to want, good heavyweight roasting pan. It's going to come up a lot in a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about because I'm a big proponent of roasting things as ingredients towards other dishes. It enhances flavors. It, it, it makes for a better end product with a little extra effort. Uh, and again, this is a thing when you're, when you're getting into cooking, familiarize yourself with your oven. A lot of people don't realize this, but ovens are just like everything else I was talking about with hotspots. Moving a shelf up or down one level can completely change how something is going to cook, and it's you're, it's going to be trial and error. You're going to have to play with it. You're going to have to figure it out. But if you take the time and you invest the effort, you're going to be better off for having done it. For what it's worth, my recommendation: see if you can find a food distributor, uh, like a commercial distri- distribution place. A lot of them have stores that are open to the public where they sell commercial grade stuff to the public and a lot of them uh, I don't want to name drop any of them just because I don't know how they would feel about it and I don't feel like dealing with any legal legal repercussions but that being said find a distribution store for a food distributing company and you can go get a lot of commercial grade stuff which is made to be used and abused a lot more than the stuff you're going to pick up at any of the big box stores and generally, as a rule of thumb, it's cheaper, and you're you're going to come out happier. Or you know, you can go to one of the club stores, 
that are out there, and a lot of times they have a section that's dedicated to restaurant supplies. And you'll find stuff, frying pans, saucepans, cutlery, tongs. I cannot stress enough, good pair of tongs, two or three of them, just in case you're doing more than one thing. You don't want them super long. You definitely don't want them flimsy. Just a good pair of metal tongs is a fantastic thing. And it gives you something to click every time you pick them up. You click them two or three times just to make sure they still work. And uh, that's what I recommend. Go find one of these stores in your general area, even if it's you know a half-hour drive or whatever. It might, it might be worth the trip, especially if you're trying to get set up to do stuff they a lot of those stores also carry foodstuffs. They have flour, sugar, salt, baking soda, canned goods, sauces, spices, coffee. Everything you need to generally function in the food service business will be at these stores or at the or at the the warehouse club stores. And realistically, if you're going to try and get good Go there, save yourself some money so you're not throwing money down the down the trash every day. And uh, stock up. Just look around, walk around. Find the things that are necessary. Don't go crazy until you know whether or not you're going to commit. Because, like I said, people like me, I find a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, it's in my nature. I like go to garage sales every now and then. And I will go around looking for people who got tried to get really big into a hobby and it... And I've gotten several things because they were a fad or they were a trend and everybody jumped on board and spent, you know, a couple hundred dollars on a piece of equipment and then I get it for 15 bucks and it's been used twice. I take it home, I clean it to where it's a professional grade of clean and I just saved $200. It's, uh, it is what it is, you know. These are things you can do too if you want to get into it and if you really start enjoying yourself before you go out and buy all this stuff. Take a stroll through through some higher-end development-type neighborhoods, you know, new subdivisions in your area that have three- or four-bedroom houses as, as a general rule, not the, you know, little the two-unit townhomes. Those are generally, in a townhome, it's smaller. People are going to have less stuff. But this is not the, the scavenging podcast. This is supposed to be the cooking podcast. But that's just something to bear in mind. Like I said, if you, if you do get into it, you can find a lot of cool stuff just by a little bit of effort. So those are just a few things you need to think about if you really want to get into cooking and step up your home meal game, and that's what I had to say.